Lynn at ClarityUnleashed.com, and I am here today to talk a little bit about discipling. I found a great excerpt from a textbook this week that I wanted to share, and uh, we talked about it last night at our leadership internship, and um, it just sparked a great conversation and reminded me of, well, many things. Let's dig into it and see where it takes us. So I have a textbook uh, on biblical leadership that I'm using for um, seminary, and I'll post a link to that book. And we've been doing a lot of um, assessments and all kinds of things in this course, and was writing a paper this past week and stumbled across this paragraph from chapter 21 and it is about making disciples. And I'm going to quote what the author says. The author is Robert Wayne Stacy. And he says, The mandate of the mission is to make disciples. It is unfortunate and purely an accident of English that this Greek word is translated make disciples. In point of fact, it's a transitive verb meaning to disciple. However, there is no such verb in English, and so it's translated as make disciples. But this is misleading, making it seem as though disciples make other disciples. That is surely not what Jesus meant. The power and authority to make disciples belongs to him alone. It does not reside in his disciples. Disciples only disciple those who respond to the claim of God's sovereign rule. They do not replicate them. Very interesting because um, I think often when we talk about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we focus on go and make disciples. But when you stop to think about it, who made you a disciple of Christ? When I asked that question last night, the person responded with, well, God, God made me a disciple. So then I asked, okay, if God made you a disciple, who makes disciples? God. And I heard the Holy Spirit. So absolutely, what this means is that perhaps we're using this um, translation and we just have it ingrained in us to say, yeah, our job as disciples is to make other disciples. And I don't think that that's, you know, a terrible thing. I think it's so something that we've just grown accustomed to saying, but there's so much um, more underlying mystery and wonder when we stop to consider the fact that, no, we aren't making anything. We are going out and this process of discipleship is really better defined as baptizing and teaching, which is what the follow-up instructions are in that passage. So making disciples equates to Jesus having the authority and asking his followers to baptize and teach the other believers. So as we were talking about this last night, I used as an example a passage out of Acts 16 and I wanted to go through that because I think this models exactly what Matthew, um, the, the verses in Matthew say. So if you go to Acts 16, you're going to see um, a wonderful story. This is one of my favorite 
stories. But here these guys are, Paul, Silas, Timothy, absolutely fired up to spread the gospel. And they want to travel. They're, you know, they're in the midst of traveling and they're in the midst of teaching. So it says in, um, let's see, in verse 6, so Acts 16, 6, that Paul and his companions were traveling throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And then it says they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So that means to me that they really wanted to preach the word in the province of Asia, and the Holy Spirit said no, so they didn't. So they didn't go to the province of Asia, and they tried then to enter Bithynia, and again it says in verse 7, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by and went down to Troas. And in verse 9, we see that during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So the Holy Spirit says no to Asia, says um, no to Bithynia, and says yes to Macedonia. So Paul recognized that as the Holy Spirit directing him and decided yes. He concluded, it says in verse 10, that God called them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. So he heads out there with his fellow travelers, and they go to Philippi, which was a Roman colony in, um, in Macedonia. And it says they were there for several days. So what we know about, um, about his travels is he, he would have looked for a synagogue, and in order to have, for a city to have, or a town to have a synagogue, there had to be at least 10 Jewish men in that town. Um, and naturally, they, the, Paul would try to connect with the Jews by visiting the synagogue. Well, in this case, it says, there, there, well, it doesn't say, but we have to gather that there was no synagogue because that's not where they go. It says in verse 13 that on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. So here's Paul and his fellow travelers going out to disciple, and they end up um, at a riverbank looking for people who have gathered to pray. And they find some, and it's a group of women that have gathered. So then what happens in verse 14 is we read that one of those women is Lydia, and she was a worshiper of God. So that means she was a believer in God. She was a, you know, presumably a, a Jewish believer and follower of God. The next sentence says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So here in verse 14, we see that the Lord prepared her heart to respond. And then in verse 15, we see that Paul and Silas and Timothy baptized her. And she invited them to her house and we have this whole other story that takes place about them being imprisoned, which is a great um, 
story, but I'm going to skip through that. I'm going to definitely take a look at it. And I'm going to skip through it, but at the very end of this chapter, Paul and Silas were released. And after they came out of the prison, they went back to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. So Paul and Silas go back to Lydia's house and encourage them, which is um, the word here is also for encourage, is to comfort, to address, to speak to, to exhort, to strengthen, um, to uplift. And it's also, the, another meaning is to instruct and teach. So here we have this passage in Acts 16 that actually says what the Great Commission does. It says, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to make the disciples, like, just like what happened to Lydia, the Holy Spirit. It says the Lord prepared her heart. The Holy Spirit also guided them to Lydia. So the Holy Spirit prepares what's going to take place next. And that's where Paul actually connects with that new believer, baptizes her, and teaches her. And we know that Lydia becomes the very first Christian convert in Europe, and she runs the first house church. So she now is not only... Um, a new believer with her family, baptized and taught directly by Paul and Silas. But they also equip her to continue the church in her home. And um, I think that's a beautiful picture of what the Great Commission is. is. It's all about allowing the Holy Spirit, or knowing, not allowing, we don't allow the Holy Spirit, but... Um, knowing that it's the Holy Spirit that does this work ahead of us and having the um, connection with the Holy Spirit to listen and know where to go and who to talk to. And then to do our part, which is when we find these new believers, it's our job then to baptize them and teach them and part of that word teaching, which has been translated as encouraging, but we see that it means to teach, part of that is equipping them because Paul and Silas now leave. So verse 40 says, after they meet again with Lydia and those people in her house, they, they leave. So they need to have equipped people to continue the discipleship process once they're gone. And that's how Christianity spreads. So just wanted to take a quick moment and encourage um, you guys in regard to discipleship. It takes the pressure off, I believe, when you, when you aren't um, worried about, well, how do I make a disciple? I don't really know enough myself. How can I convince someone else? Or I'm just not comfortable trying to convince. That's, that's not our job. Um, it's the Holy Spirit that touches the hearts and prepares the hearts um, for for us and being able to rightfully lay that burden back at the feet of Jesus and um, and to the Holy Spirit to do his work is freeing right and 
And interestingly enough, that's what in the, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, when it says, when Jesus says that he has all authority, that word authority, another translation for that word is freedom. He is, he's, he is freedom and he's the one that, that does set us free. He is the one that does the work of salvation. Um, and it, then it's up to us to, to gather those into our community, those who have been saved into our community and to teach and baptize them so that, and to equip, equip them so that they can continue that process. So I hope that this is uplifting to you today, and I'd love to hear more from you. So please drop me a comment or a message if there's anything you'd like to hear about. Or if you feel like you want to share your story, please let me know. I would love to have you. Have a great day.